All right, glad you're with us. All right, why is this guy, the congenital liar, the compromised corrupt shift? Oh, House Intel report accuses Trump of misconduct. I've got the summary here. It's full of lies. All of it. They have convinced themselves that something that is provably untrue. And we had President Zelensky again this weekend saying once again, uh, there's no pressure, no quid or pro or quo ever under any circumstances. I have no idea what you people over there are doing because it sounds nuts to me. They had nothing but what hearsay witnesses and they've had nothing but opinion witnesses. They didn't have any real witnesses. I mean, that pretty much sums it up. And the one real witness that they had, well, what did President Trump say to you? Uh, well, I asked them, you know, well, what do you want for the money? Nothing. No quid pro quo. Well, that came out. But that was after he might have known about it. It doesn't matter. There's not one person that they brought in that knows a single fact on their own. Not one. I mean, that that is what is so ugly and, and twisted and strange and bizarre about all of this. Now, Kerry Pickett will join us uh, later in the program today in our news roundup hour. And she has a piece on the Washington Examiner today, how the House Intel Committee Chairman Adam Schiff hired a former National Security Council aide who worked with the, quote, whistleblower, the one that everybody's reported to be the whistleblower at the NSC during the Obama and Trump administrations, the day after the phone call uh, between Trump and Ukrainian President Zelensky. Well, that sounds like even a deeper conspiracy and corruption. It sounds even worse than what we thought. Now, this goes to Pat Cipollone's point in his letter. This is all unprecedented. And the Republicans and Doug Collins leading the way, who the governor of the great state of Georgia should be appointing rather than, oh, no, no, this person who is love Mitt Romney and love John McCain is really, really not a Trump supporter, but didn't support Trump at all in any way that we can find. Oh, and by the way, these association with groups that uh, don't seem conservative. No, no, no. I wouldn't read too much into that. You don't have to be assured that Doug Collins is a conservative. I wrote a friend of mine about that today before I get back to this new story. And, you know, it's a friend that knows Georgia politics extremely well. And I was just trying to give him the lay of the land here. And I just said, you know, I'm watching all of this. And I, and I said every single thing that everybody in Georgia is now telling me. And by the way, Doug Collins will join us at the top of the next hour about what's going on down there. It's all, you know, everything I hate about politics and politicians You know, he's telling me, well, this is really about one guy that wants a self-funder so that his campaign will get more money. And it's also about the fact that the current governor, Kemp, has a problem with the former governor. And everything I'm hearing sums up everything that all of us hate about politics and politicians and, frankly, paved the way for Donald J. Trump's success. Because they're really in Georgia for the governor ought to be one criteria only one and what's that he was elected by the people of georgia to serve the people of georgia to serve the people they're supposed to be all of these politicians they're supposed to be public uh, servants to us we the people 
The people, we're the ones that hired them. And they spend every single waking minute moment in their lives, you know, worried about how they get to stay in power and where the next dollar is coming from and when the next, you know, dinner is coming from. And by the way, I'll even add this. The governor of Georgia, you know, this is not about serving Donald Trump even. It's not, although I would argue in that race, I think that race, Florida, Donald Trump probably played a tipping point role. Scott DeSantis, Kemp, those were all close races. Donald Trump helped all three of them. But but he shouldn't make his decision with no consideration of Trump, in my opinion. And by the way, he ought to be serving the people of Georgia. Now, look, they're making every justification and excuse for somebody that has no experience, zero experience like Hunter. And somebody, all evidence shows, is a Romney-McCain Republican. And it's just like this governor of Georgia doesn't care what conservatives in Georgia are saying about this. That is why I can't be a Republican. Because we, that's all we've gotten from the Republican Party. You know, that's why I'm a registered conservative. You know, especially like down in Georgia, we, we've seen Doug Collins emerge. He's like a rock star, a real deal conservative. You don't have to make a million, you know, no, no, no. Uh, you don't have to make any reassurances that this person is really a conservative because he is. And that would be in line, in my opinion, somebody that lived in Georgia that was there. I think I think Doug Collins is probably the bravest, toughest, most committed conservative since, since Newt Gingrich was elected. And I was there the night that he became speaker and I was emceeing Newt Gingrich's event. And that was in 1994. Republicans had been out of power, believe it or not, in the House of Representatives for 40 years. But you got a proven rock star conservative. His values represent the core values of Georgia Republicans because they're conservative. There's no need for any assurances about Doug Collins and how he will be as a senator because he has a proven track record of courageous conservative leadership. And by the way, what makes Trump different more than anything else is the fact that he fights like there's no tomorrow. I got a ferocious lion, you know, who's, who's angry. And by the way, we should all be angry. This, this is what cleaning the swamp looks like. Every swamp creature, Republican and Democrat, hates Donald Trump, wants to get rid of Donald Trump. Clearly, the never Trumpers in Georgia have gotten to supposedly the conservative governor. I noticed our friend, and he's a friend, Eric Erickson, you know, tweeted out to me. There's been nobody... There's been nobody more conservative as a governor of Georgia than Kemp. Okay, this is not a conservative move. I'm looking at this decision. The most conservative candidate to be senator to replace Johnny Isaacson, who I do like. And I didn't hear it. I'll go back later and listen to it. He gave his, he delivered earlier today, I think his goodbyes. Um, I like Johnny Isaacson. I knew him when I was down, when I lived in Georgia. I like him a lot. He's a good person. I'm, we're praying for him. I know. I don't know what his health issues are, but I wish him the best. But Donald Trump fights for his promises. And he keeps them. 
Tax cuts, largest in history. Burdensome bureaucracy. Got, got, got rid of more than we've gotten rid of in 100 some odd years. And why do you think so many people show up at his rallies and so many people overflow outside is because they love the fact that Donald Trump is keeping his word. He found a way to fund the border. He found he kept his word on judges. He kept his word on better trade deals. He kept his word on he doesn't want to get involved in foreign entanglements, but he beat the crap out of ISIS in Syria and he got rid of Baghdadi. And look at the records. Why? 34.5, 33 and 34 percent. Three separate polls. Donald Trump's support with African-Americans, because guess what? He's done more with his conservative policies than any Democrat has ever done. One record after another shattered for the betterment of our fellow Americans. And people see it. Criminal justice reform. I had some people. Well, I, I want to find every Alice Marie Johnson. She's been on this program that served time. One offense that is clearly reformed a track record of Bible study after Bible study, a mentor to the young girls going into prison. Never thought she'd get out of prison. You know what? That's the person goes to the microphones after she races into the arms of a loving family, says, thank you, America. Thank you, Donald Trump. And I'll never let you down. Thank you for giving me a second chance. Wow. I'd love to see that every day. Find anybody in jail that deserves that. Amazing. You know, I've been on the radio now, what, 31 years since I started. 24 years now, I'm in my 24th year at Fox. Forget about Donald Trump, the person. Forget about it. Forget about it. That's Linda. Forget about Donald Trump, the person. Everything that I've supported in my life, and I've made some changes in some opinions, definitely more libertarian than I ever was. You know, I just, I, we got to fix the economy. We, 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 war and peace matter. We need the next generation of weaponry so we don't send kids to knock on doors after politicians send them to war and then uh, say, never mind. And, and they end up politicizing war now every time. The only way to fight a war is to push buttons. The only way now in the future is push a button. We need offensive and defensive, the next greatest generation of weaponry. We better lead the way. But it's not about Donald Trump. It's about everything that I've believed in my whole life. Tax cuts, ending the bureaucracy, energy independence, judges, the borders secure, better trade deals. Yeah, that makes sense. No, I don't want to trade. I'm a free trader, but I want better deals. And we got them with Japan, Canada, Mexico, our Western European allies. That's conservatism. Conservatism works. Record low unemployment. Conservatism works. Eight years of Biden, Obama. What do we get? 13 million more Americans, food stamps, 8 million more in poverty. You've heard me say it a zillion times. No president in modern history has actually kept promises like this guy. It's not about Trump. It's, you know, well, I don't like I don't like that he tweets. OK, get over it. That's my attitude. I like the results. I like Americans going back to work. I like energy independence. I like the fact that we are modernizing our our military I like the fact that we can make this a better place for our kids and grandkids. And I don't care if they're Republicans or Democrats. They can still be swamp creatures. And I think what you see happening in Georgia is like swamp creatures. Now, what you see with the corrupt, congenital, compromised 
congenital liar Adam Schiff right now in this report, which I'll go over. And I, I know everybody's a little wigged out over what we learned last night, that the inspector general and the attorney general are at odds over the origins of the Trump Russia uh, investigation. That was not the mandate for Michael Horowitz. And by the way, you know, I, I just have a lot to say on it. And uh, I'm not as bothered as some of you are. And I am told that the facts established are devastating. But remember, Horowitz has already determined and said that he's putting forth for referrals Comey, McCabe for lying. Well, none of them have been prosecuted, so it really doesn't matter. But Durham can convene a grand jury, uh, bring charges, and indict. That's a good thing. All right, as we roll along, Sean Hannity Show. All right, so the bombshell story, deep state Pfizer report. Pfizer report still due out on Monday. That is great news. Uh, And Wednesday, Lindsey Graham uh, is going to have Michael Horowitz. Let Let me just back everyone up. Now, I made a lot of calls last night. I'm like, wow, there really has been. Now we understand why Barr said, the Attorney General Bill Barr, that this will be out in May. And we heard June, and by the 4th of July, then August, September, October, November, here it is, December. Something was not right. I was getting frustrated. You were getting frustrated. We're all getting angry. And I've been told repeatedly that it'll shock the conscience, what they found. But we already know certain things that you cannot avoid. That was the premeditation, meaning the FBI, the DOJ, were warned about the dirty dossier of Christopher Steele. They knew that's established. We know Steele doesn't stand behind his own dossier. That is established his interrogatory. They also offered to pay him money, by the way, to verify it, and he didn't. And then we've got Hillary paid for it. So then we find out it's an unverifiable document. Bruce Orr warned them. Kathleen Kavlak warned them. There were uh, there were other warnings. So they used it anyway. Nunes and the Grassley Graham memos, bulk of information is used. A lot of it's from the dossier. That would mean, and remember the infamous words of Andrew McCabe, no dossier, no FISA warrant. Oh, he didn't mean them. Now he's saying, of course, he's covering for himself, but he said it. So you got the inspector general. I'm told, yeah, the facts are all there. It'll he'll lay it out. Now, the fact that he and the attorney general have a disagreement surrounding the origins of the Russia probe or the fact that maybe he doesn't make conclusions in his report is irrelevant because all of these facts established matter in the sense from the legal sense will be devastating because we do have a criminal investigation. The origins of the Russia witch hunt, that was always the prosecutor, John Durham's realm. That was not what Horowitz was originally tasked to do. So, it doesn't matter. But now we know Durham's investigation goes into Horowitz's work and beyond. And then remember the statements of the attorney general. So where am I on this? Yeah, I'm told by people that know the facts are going to be laid out and that that information now will be used by the prosecutor Durham. And it's very clear where the attorney general stands on all of this, which is, Yeah, there's corruption at the highest levels, and this is the worst he's seen. The impeachment hoax is going nowhere. We have tremendous support. In the history of the Republican Party, there has not been this support. We have 196 to nothing. 
in terms of votes in the Congress. And as far as I'm concerned, I hear the Senate is angry about it. The Republican senators are very angry about what's going on because they hurt our country. They're hurting our country, the other side, very badly. We have tremendous support, uh, probably the most united that our party's ever been. Uh, I just had a 95% approval rating. It's the highest in the history of the Republican Party. Ronald Reagan was 87. He's second. Um, the party has never been disunited, the Republican Party. Uh, the impeachment is going nowhere. It is a waste of time. They're wasting their time, and it's a disgrace. It's a dis the impeachment witch hunt, it's really just a continuation of the hoax that's been taking place for the last three years. And I think you know that. And does it pass the cloud, though, if you're trying to negotiate on well, the I, I would say this. I think it's very unpatriotic of the Democrats to put on a performance where they do that. I do. I think it. I think it's a bad thing for our country. Impeachment wasn't supposed to be used that way. Uh, all you have to do is read the transcripts. You'll see there was absolutely nothing done wrong. They had legal scholars looking at the transcripts the other day, and they say these are absolutely perfect. Trump is right when he uses the word. Those concepts, those those calls that we made, two of them were absolutely perfect calls, and. I think it's a very bad thing for our country. Does it cast a cloud? Well, if it does, then the Democrats have done a very great disservice to the country, which they have. They've wasted a lot of time. We're trying to get prescription drugs reduced very substantially. We could do it easily. They don't have any time to do anything. I call them the do-nothing Democrats. They are hurting our country very badly. I learned nothing from Adam well, Schiff. I think he's a maniac. What would you want to learn if he testified? I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man. And he lies. Uh, Adam Schiff made up my conversation with the president of Ukraine. Now, one of the reasons people keep talking about it is that's what they saw. We have a perfectly beautiful three or four page transcription. And then in the other case, a two page transcription of the conversation. But a lot of people didn't read that. How many people called you? A friend of mine called up, a top person in New York called up. Great friend of mine, very successful. Gee, I didn't like what was said. I said, oh, where did you see it? Did you read it? No, I didn't read it. I heard Adam Schiff give it. I said, well, that's not what was said. And I sent him a copy of what was said. He said, this is like, this is great. This isn't what he said. This guy is sick. He made up the conversation. He lied. If he didn't do that in the halls of Congress, he'd be thrown in a jail. But he did it in the halls of Congress, and he's given immunity. This is a sick person. He's a liar. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi knew he was lying, and she went on her show, Stephanopoulos, and she said he told the truth. So she was lying too. These people are deranged. So to make sure I'm just hearing you right on that, you would say on, say, the bigotry that you've discussed before, the Mueller stuff, you'd say leave that out. I think there are other opportunities, but right now we have a clear case, um, and I believe that we should uh, follow this one. You know, I've, I've used um, examples where you've had mob bosses who have committed atrocity after atrocity, um, uh, have violated our, our criminal codes uh, of, of conduct, and we got them on um, one narrow case, right. but they get to serve time. 
Uh, and what's important right now is that for this particular president that we know has many cases where we can impeach him on, that we focus on the one that the public is paying attention to and impeach him on that. Yeah. Congresswoman, it sounds like you are artfully uh, making a comparison on the legal precedent to uh, this president and Al Capone uh, without yes. technically saying Al Capone. All right. First, that was the president. And that's him, by the way, overseas dealing with this crap, uh, which should anger every American also, because you know what? They knew that the president was going away. And guess what? They just don't really seem to care all that much, do they? They really don't. Um, And, you know, Schiff has a a lot of issues, obviously, in this. And now I think what we're finding and Schiff is hiring a former NSC colleague of the whistleblower that the press tells us is the whistleblower um, the day after Trump's Ukraine call. That's not suspicious. Really? You know, I know Linda doesn't like it, but I'm going to do it again. There is a quid and a pro and a quo with Joe. You know, you're not getting the billion. You're not getting the billion dollars. I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. (laughs) I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Oh, son of a. (laughs) Got fired. Son of a B. He got fired. Son of a B. Quid and a pro and a quo. And he's bragging about it. Why? Because the New York Times and others told him that the prosecutor, the guy's name Shokin, interviewed by ABC, Washington Post, John Solomon. uh, Yeah, that that prosecutor, guess what? Was investigating his zero experience son. How do we know his son is zero experience? Well, we first learned about it in Secret Empires, the book by our friend Peter Schweitzer. Then I think for a 49-year-old guy that had time to prep, the worst interview I've ever heard in my life. This is Hunter. What you're doing? What did he think you were doing? Well, he read the press reports that I joined the board of Burisma, which was a Ukrainian natural gas company. And there's been a, a a lot of misinformation about me, not about my dad. Nobody buys that, but it buys this idea that I was unqualified to be on the board. What were your qualifications to yeah, be well, on the board of Burisma? Well, I was vice chairman of the board of Amtrak for oh, five years. I was chairman of the board of the UN World Food Program. I was a lawyer for Boyce Schiller Flexner, one of the most prestigious law firms in the world. You didn't have any extensive knowledge about natural gas or Ukraine itself, though. Uh, no, but I think that I had as much knowledge as anybody else that was on the board, if not more. In the list that you gave me of the reasons why you're on that board, you did not list the fact that you were the son of the vice president. Of course, president. yeah. No, I, what I, role do you think that played? I think that it is impossible for me to be on any of the boards that I just mentioned without saying that I'm the son of the vice president of the United States. You were paid $50,000 a month for your position? Look, I'm a private citizen. One thing that I don't have to do is sit here and open my kimono as it relates to how much money I make or make or did or didn't. But it's all been reported. If your last name wasn't Biden, do you think you would have been asked to be on the board of Burisma? I don't know. I don't know. Probably not. I, I don't think that there's a lot of things that would have happened in my life that uh, that if my last name wasn't Biden. I once I was a lawyer. I, I, I sat on the board of Amtrak. What does that have to do with anything for energy? 
No, I have no experience in Ukraine energy, oil, gas, but I was paid millions and millions of dollars. But how dare you ask me how much I was paid? And yeah, the only reason I got it is because of my dad. A quid and a pro and a quo with Joe and Hunter. And Hunter was being investigated and Joe knew about it. And this is where the bifurcation thing comes in with somebody's brain, because your brain has to be literally cut in half to forget that whole quid pro quo with Joe that's provable instantaneously and believe the crap that the compromised, corrupt, congenital liar is pushing with this Trump Ukraine impeachment inquiry report today. The president's misconduct was the president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine on a public announcement of investigations. Okay, the guy got the money. There was never a public announcement. Remember, Jim Jordan? Well, when was the announcement? And Sonman, whatever his name is, Soderman, Sondland, whatever. Uh, what meeting? <laughs> there was no meeting. Do you mind? Stop pressing the button. Oh, that was me. Oh, Sondland, whatever. There was no meeting. There was no announcement. Oh, what announcement about, you know, the things that he was doing for Trump? They've never happened. Oh, OK. Well, that means that there's no quid or pro or quo. OK, then this. You, but you got it with Joe. That's the point. President's request for a political favor. Uh, no, the president was saying, fix your corruption. Fix the corruption. And by the way, I see you're hanging out with a lot of these guys um, that, oh, your predecessor was hanging out with. Uh, and by the way, hang on, I got to send a text here. Bop, 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 bop. Three, 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 no, three, oh. So anyway, so what they're saying, the president's obstruction of House of Representatives impeachment inquiry, he obstructed. Oh, why? Because they have executive privilege and he's protecting the office of the presidency. He's protecting the executive branch, which, by the way, Bill Clinton did and everybody else has done before him. And what they're saying is, or otherwise, you can't have honest conversations and give the president honest advice if you're going to be compelled to tell everybody what your advice was. That's why executive privilege exists. That's actually a national security issue. That's, you know, the things that, yeah, well, no president is ever going to get honest advice if everybody thinks everything they're saying to the guy is going to be leaked to the media or that they're going to have to testify under oath before a corrupt Congress like that of the congenital liar compromise Schiff. But the president conditioned the White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine on a public announcement. That never happened. That never was said. Aid was never mentioned in the call. Zelensky again this weekend says, I have what, what are you people doing? This never happened. That never happened. Never felt it. Never happened. Not a big deal. The president did tell that guy, don't surround yourself with the same corrupt people of your predecessor, though. And the idea that, oh, I thought election interference mattered. Well, it happened, at least according to Politico and at least according to a Ukrainian court. I thought that mattered. Apparently, it doesn't matter. The president removed Ambassador Yovanovitch. What? OK, that was Obama's pick. She was also offered another job. Anyone tell you that in the media? She was also offered a job of her choice. Tell us what you want. His handpicked agents begin the scheme. The only scheme is Schiff, we're learning today, hires the guy, best friend of the whistleblower, to work in his office. 
I mean, this stinks to high heaven. This is after three years of Mueller, three years of, of Trump Russia. The president's agents pursued a drug deal. Like, huh? Every witness was a hearsay or an opinion witness. None of them had any facts. And, you know, the report released by these people prepares to hold the first impeachment hearing Wednesday. We're going to hold a talk show like Jerry Springer or Morton Downey. We'll have lawyers that are liberal, except for Jonathan Turley. And we'll say, oh, although he's a Democrat, we hate Trump, too. Yeah, impeach him. Okay, bring in Alan Dershowitz. Send in Greg Jarrett, Andy McCarthy, any of these. No, they don't want to do that. This inquiry is not the organic outgrowth of serious misconduct. It's an orchestrated campaign that's been ongoing since two days after Trump's elected. The lawyer for this whistleblower, so-called hearsay whistleblower. Yeah, uh, the coup has begun 10 days after the inauguration of Donald Trump. You know, the, the, all of this, he abused his office, engaged in bribery and extortion. No, the only one that did that was Joe Biden. This is now you need to understand this. This report, it's all the same false narratives they've been advancing since the 2016 elections. There's no evidence of any wrongdoing, no high crime, no bribery, no misdemeanor, none whatsoever. They never did anything and they got the money and the guy never felt any pressure to do anything. Otherwise, he probably would have just done it immediately. Like, let's see, the prosecutor that got fired because of Joe withholding a billion. You know, the president's longstanding concerns about corruption were justified, and he said it on the call. Don't surround yourself with those people. The aid to Ukraine only exists because the president authorized it in the first place. Hello? They're launching this inquiry over policy disagreements. These sanctimonious ambassadors that think they were elected president. The president has been beyond transparent. This is now just another coup attempt. The best part of the news that I can give you of the day is this. In 336 days, you get to decide. You get to weigh in. You and you got Democrats quietly debating expanding the impeachment articles now beyond Ukraine. Let's add everything to it. We'll go back to the Mueller report. Let's add uh, Stormy Daniels to it, whatever. I am telling you, I've never seen anything. By the way, John Podesta apparently set up fundraising meetings for Fusion JPS after Trump's election victory, according to the Daily Caller. NBC spikes, ABC, CBS downplay what the Ukrainian president said this weekend. I'm telling you, by the way, Kamala Harris is out. Big deal. I mean, shocking. We are living through very dangerous, corrupt times. What Matt, what happens in 360, uh, 336 days matters. And I, I keep saying we're all spokes in a wheel here. Well, Hannity, thank you for what you're doing. I'm a spoke. You give me this microphone and that camera every night and I'll go. I'm going to fight to my last breath. Because this is wrong for this country. What they're doing is corrupt. What's going to be exposed Monday is corrupt. When Durham ends up, hopefully at the right place, we'll see people finally held accountable. If we don't, then I shudder to think what's going to happen to this country. I really do. Well, Hannity, you're being dramatic. No, nope, I'm being realistic. I'm not in this for me at this point. It doesn't matter about me at this point. It matters for my kids. It matters for all of you your kids, and the America that we hand off to them. And the new Green Deal and Medicare for All with no private options. Wow. 
president does not earn the confidence of the American people, then any action we take, especially if we seek to overturn the result of a free election, will be viewed with great suspicion and could divide a nation for years to come. We do not need a decade of candidates running for office accusing each other of railroading a democratically elected president out of office or of participating in a thinly veiled coup d'etat. And one of the reasons we all feel so angry about what they are doing is that they are ripping from us, they are ripping asunder our votes. They are telling us that our votes don't count. There must never be a narrowly voted impeachment or an impeachment substantially supported by one of our major political parties and largely opposed by the other. The American people have heard the allegations against the president and they overwhelmingly oppose impeaching him. They elected President Clinton they still support him. We have no right to overturn the considered judgment of the American people. This partisan coup d'etat will go down in infamy in the history of this nation. I learned nothing from Adam well, Schiff. I think you, he's a what maniac. What would you want to learn if he I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man. And he lies. Uh, Adam Schiff made up my conversation with the president of Ukraine. Now, one of the reasons people keep talking about it is that's what they saw. We have a perfectly beautiful three or four page transcription. And then in the other case, a two page transcription of the conversation. But a lot of people didn't read that. How many people called you? A friend of mine called up, a top person in New York called up. Great friend of mine, very successful. Gee, I didn't like what was said. I said, oh, where did you see it? Did you read it? No, I didn't read it. I heard Adam Schiff give it. I said, well, that's not what was said. And I sent him a copy of what was said. He said, this is like, this is great. This isn't what he said. This guy is sick. He made up the conversation. He lied. If he didn't do that in the halls of Congress, he'd be thrown in a jail. But he did it in the halls of Congress, and he's given immunity. This is a sick person. He's a liar. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi knew he was lying, and she went on her show, Stephanopoulos, and she said he told the truth. So she was lying too. These people are deranged. These people are deranged. And yeah, it is a coat. I'm reading this thing. It is it is basically a document of lies. We watched it all unfold. It's hearsay witnesses. It's opinion witnesses. Now we're going to have talk show witnesses that are, you know, well, let's have a talk show. We'll have an intellectual discussion about what the whether we agree or disagree on what, you know, what are the grounds for impeachment? OK, where are the fact witnesses? Where are they? Look at Cipollone's letter. He just nailed them. Anyway, uh, we've been talking about that. Also, uh, the situation that is happening by the way, in a second, I'll introduce to you House Judiciary Ranking Member. He'll be there for the talk show on Wednesday, led by the corrupt, another congenital hypocrite liar by the name of Gerald Nadler. Listen, you know, that was him, Gerald Nadler, talking about impeachment. Yeah, that was Clinton's impeachment. I don't believe any of that anymore. Um, which is set for tomorrow. The talk show begins. And it's meaningless. This document on their hearsay witnesses, non-witnesses is meaningless. They're, they're opinion people that had differences of opinion. It's meaningless. We've also been following the situation in the great state of Georgia. And I love my friends in Georgia. And I'm hearing from a lot of them. I mean, they are ticked off in a big, big, big way that 
the governor, Governor Kemp, is going to appoint, apparently announced tomorrow. Now he's been boxed in by the AJC and Politico, and he can't get out of it. We're told he can change his mind anytime he wants. And that is, well, no, 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 we'll give you a miss. She's really, a, she's really not a rhino. She's really not. No, no, no. I'm telling you, you got to listen to me. Trust me on this. Trust me. I love when politicians say trust me. She really, you know, the money she gives to, uh, let's see. Oh, Mitt Romney, 700, whatever thousand dollars to Kelly Loeffler is her name. No experience. This is the bottom line. The end of the day, zero experience, zero tons of money for Romney, tons of money for McCain, zero dollars for Trump until I guess this came into play. I'll, I'll donate now. Is it too late? Seven hundred seventy five thousand dollars to Mitt Romney, you know, so but if I have to be convinced that somebody's a conservative, that usually means that they're not. And everything that I'm hearing about what is influencing the governor of Georgia's opinion annoys me. I'm being told that, well, one person wants a self-funder and I'm being told that, well, this is about this is about a relationship that Kemp has with Nathan Deal. Um. All of that sums up why we hate politicians and why we hate partyism. That's why I'm not a Republican. I'm a registered conservative. There really, as I said earlier, there only should be one criteria, only one. And by the way, it's not has nothing to do with Donald Trump at all. Donald Trump should be last on the list with everybody else. There's only one person on the list, and that would be the people of Georgia, the people that elected Camp governor. Remember, they're supposed to be public servants. The people that hired them expect to be served. Every conservative that's a Republican in Georgia that I know. I know there are never Trumpers there and they're everywhere. But they don't. They all want Doug Collins. I mean, that's it. She has zero experience. Every bit of evidence we can find shows she's like a Romney Republican. Well, Doug Collins, we don't need a million examples because he's a proven conservative, represents the values of Georgia Republicans. You don't need to be reassured because he has a proven track record. He's become one of the more courageous conservative leaders in Congress. And the thing that I think created an atmosphere for Donald Trump to have a shot at winning as an outsider and an iconoclast and as a disruptor is people were ticked off at the political gamesmanship. Nothing should factor into the governor of Georgia's decision except one thing. Who do the people that put me in office, who would they prefer? There are a few, I guess, that would like Kelly Loeffler. But the overwhelming majority that I talk to and I live there, they're all angry. And I would predict it's going to have a big impact in if he ever wants to run for reelection because people are seeing this as, hey, this is a Johnny Isaacson's leaving, appointed conservative. But the swamp, you know, is the swamp. Anyway, Doug Collins joins us. How are you? I'm good, Sean. How are you today? You probably your office probably told you a thing or two that I have. Uh, I enthusiastically support the idea of you being the person to replace Johnny Isaacson. It doesn't look like that's going to happen, does it? Uh, no, it doesn't, John, it, it, at this point. But I mean, you know, I, I think you know, I appreciate your voice. I appreciate the voices of a lot of folks who have called me. But, uh, you know, it, the governor's going to make his decision. And like I said, we'll deal with it. But I tell you what I'm having to deal with right now. And I've been I just come out of a meeting because I want to talk to you was, uh, you know, this this impeachment crap. I just came by and I called by TV and I looked up on that TV and I saw my president in London 
kicking backside. I mean, he was talking about to world leaders. He was putting them on notice. He was taking up our values. And I've got a Democratic chairman, Nadler, who's going to start impeachment hearing while my president is over there gaving our back. This is pathetic. Well, you're going to be on the Judiciary Committee. Is there anything that you've seen this report, the Trump, this is the congenital liars report. Did you hear this other report that, and we're going to talk to at the top of the next hour, Kerry Pickett from the Washington Examiner, and she's actually saying that the whistleblower identified in the press as the whistleblower's, uh, you know, BFF was hired the next day by shift. Did you hear that? I heard rumors that I haven't had a chance to check it out. It was something that just passed through. Look, I, Adam Schiff, the, the limits and depths that he will go to get at this president does not, uh, um, you know, just fathom me at all. In fact, Chairman Nadler, the quotes that you played at the beginning up there about Chairman Nadler, I mean, you talk about just, just hypocritical. I mean, because we're we're going through right now, and he has been so beaten. We had him so beaten to a corner because of Mueller and everything else that they're not even letting him have a chance to do anything. The speaker is telling him words to say. He's even copying shifts format on his style. We're even having to go to the Ways and Means committee room tomorrow because Adam, Jerry Nadler wants to become Adam Schiff. I mean, it's just the it's, this is the saddest part that I, I have seen so far. And, you know, look, we're up here fighting. We appreciate our folks in Georgia. Well, we're don't you think right you've said Schiff should be a witness? Isn't oh, he a fact witness in this witness. case? He is the fact witness. He should be the first one. And he, if his ability not to come on, if he hides behind and goes and runs to a press conference and talks about what he wants to talk about, hides behind his gavel, shuts Republicans down, controls the rules, but yet won't come and have the temerity to sit in front of our committee and say why he wrote the report, how he wrote the report, and how they did it, then Adam Schiff has no business being in Congress. Well, I agree, and that's not going to happen, is it? Now, is the president being afforded the two and a half weeks that Bill Clinton was afforded? Is he being given the option of picking the date like Bill Clinton was given and his attorneys were given? Not a bit, Sean. This is what this is what makes it a travesty. For all your listeners and everybody, they got to know something. The the Democrats in their best put, you know, as we as you know from down south, sometimes we know when you get when you get have to go somewhere and your mom comes and tells you put on your Sunday best. Well, that's what they did about two months ago. They want to put us there. We're going to put on our Sunday best. We're going to make these rules and we're going to give the president the ability to defend himself when it gets to the judiciary committee. The only problem was that when they got to the Judiciary Committee, they're not giving him any way to defend himself. They're putting a bunch of academics who already have made up their mind on what they want to say. They're not even scheduling another hearing with a fact witness. Jerry Nadler is so scared of his own shadow, he can't even turn around straight. And so we're not getting the chance to not like predict to do what we need to do as a committee. He's not giving the president the ability to defend himself. And for anybody that thinks that he got, the president's folks not showing up tomorrow for a legal scholar exercise, is just wrong. This is not the way the president should get to defend himself. We just got the report. It, uh, Sean, I am just livid about this tomorrow. You're going to see it. But this is defending a president who's overseas right now defending us. I agree with all of that. So, all right. Is there an opportunity for the president? Like, for example, could they actually bring in President Zelensky, who this weekend said, no, no pressure ever. I don't know what you people are doing over there, but no, never felt it. And he never did anything. But we do have Joe and Hunter. Isn't that a quid and a pro and a quo with Joe and Hunter? <laughs> oh, it's the epitome. I mean, if you want to look up what you know, under the definition of, of Joe Biden, 
you can find quid pro quo because it's exactly what he did. You know, again, the the, the audacity of the of the mainstream media to to just turn a blind eye and say, "Oh, you can't talk about them. That's their political game." If you're doing something wrong, you need to be held accountable for it. When did running for office ever stop you from? being questioned about what you're doing, the legality, if it's that to that point, or just the rationale of what you're doing. We're seeing it all over the place. He deserves to be questioned. We deserve to see the whistleblower. We deserve to see all of these things brought out because this president is doing what he, they, they just hate him because he's president. Sean, let's just be honest. They hate him because he's president. They never got over that he won, and they never got over four investigations that proved no Trump-Russia collusion. Nope. Couldn't get over it. They, they tried their best, made their case. We blew that up. And now they're mad because the economy's doing well. He's doing well. He's going to win next year. And they're left holding the bag of Hillary's tears from Brooklyn. All right. As we continue, Doug Collins, uh, congressman, should have been senator, I guess, from uh, the great state of Georgia. Um, what do you know about Kelly Loeffner? I know the the issue of life in particular is important to you. Yeah, I, I don't know. Frankly, I'll be honest with you. I've, I've met her once at a, a couple of times at most in passing. Hi, how are you doing? I don't know enough. I mean, if she is going to be, she's going to have to, you know, those are questions she's going to have to answer. But I do know about life from myself because I have a daughter named Jordan, um, Sean. And Jordan is, uh, she's 27 years old today, uh, now. She's, uh, she has spina bifida. She hasn't walked a day in her life, but she's traveled with her smile on herself more than anything. But I can remember back uh, when Lisa and I were excited. She was our first. And uh, we found out something was going to be wrong. And Lisa went to school, and uh, one of the teachers came up to her and said, you know, you got choices. And Lisa thought that she meant doctors and stuff like that. And Lisa said, yeah, we're trying to go to Atlanta. And the lady said, no, no, you're not understanding, dear. You don't have to go through with this. You have choices. And Lisa looked no. at her and said, you're talking about my baby. Well, that, that little baby is my daughter, Jordan. And she's 27. She's her she has her daddy wrapped around her finger. And she texts me from work every day when she goes to work at the hospital. She comes home. Um, don't tell me that life doesn't matter. Life matters from, from the beginning conception to natural death. And that's just something that is personal for me. Everybody else has to answer for themselves. I'm trying to stand on where I am. And Sean, I know you've always been a strong advocate for that. And, um, but it's just personal for me. Jordan is Jordan wow. is a living example of what happens in life. I, I, what an inspiring story about you and your wife and your daughter. Um, and that's pretty amazing. You ever think, Congressman, we'd be debating, well, we'll deliver the baby and make the baby comfortable. Then we'll let the mother decide. I, I just and I can't. And then 10 states are actually arguing this crap. Yeah, look, we've, we've deprived liberalism has deprived us into a society where we feel that life is a, is a commodity. It doesn't matter. And if we can if we can make moral justifications on life. As it doesn't matter, it's whatever's right in the person's own eyes. I think I remember that from scripture somewhere that everybody can't did what was right in their own eyes. Then there is no moral authority, and God is our as our gifter of life. That's what I believe. And then when we begin that we can take it just for convenience or because you know the worst case is for me because they don't like it's very personal for me because they think their child has a, de, uh, a physical deformity they're going to kill it. Um, and you know as I heard and was in one of the Sweden or somewhere they're doing away with Down syndrome. You know how they're doing it? They're killing the kids in the womb. That's how they're doing away with Down syndrome. That's that's just it's just wrong. Life is a precious issue, and you know, from our perspective and your perspective, that's just something we fight for. You know, uh, I've come to get to know you in the last number of months, and I've watched you courageously release transcripts that nobody else would do, and uh, I admire you for it. Uh, 
and I admire and thank you in advance because I know you're going to be a rock star tomorrow and uh, every day hereafter as we fight back this impeachment Ukrainian coup conspiracy attempt. Uh, Congressman Doug Collins, thank you, sir. Would have been great to call you senator next time, but whatever. I guess you don't win them all. When we come back, Ollie North, Kerry Pickett on our breaking news story and more straight ahead. All right, 25 till the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN if you want to be a part of the program. All right, Joe Biden. I've spent a lot of time with Kim Jong-un. No, you didn't. And then, of course, my favorite. I, I have hairy legs and whatever this means. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 that, that turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was trained and then watch the hair come back up again and look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap and I've loved kids jumping on my lap. All right. Joining us now, um, a good friend of the program. You know, I want to go back though, before I get to Ollie North here in a second, you know, this executive so-called summary, um, this is the single most corrupt thing that I have ever seen in terms of a of an absolute power grab coup attempt and the president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine on public announcement. No, that has not been true. The president's obstruction of the House of Representatives impeachment inquiry. No, it is called executive privilege. The president conditioned a White House meeting and military aid to Ukraine in a public announcement of investigations beneficial to his reelection campaign. No, that would be quid and that would be quo and that would be Joe that did all of that, not Donald J. Trump. The president removed anti-corruption champion Ambassador Yovanovitch. yeah, every president has the right to appoint, appoint their ambassadors. Obama did it how many times? The president's handpicked agents begin the scheme. Well, what does that mean? His handpicked agents. Um, I don't even know. The pres- They got the money even this weekend. The president of Ukraine said what I told you he said. And that is uh, absolutely zero. Uh, knowledge of what's going on here. Anyway, Ollie North is with us. You know, one of the things that inspired me to do what I do today was watching Ollie North, John Poindexter, uh, a guy by the name of Brendan Sullivan, a bunch of arrogant elitists in the establishment beat up this decorated war hero. Oh, you had Fawn Hall was your secretary and you bought lingerie at a lingerie shop. And he's like, I don't remember. I never bought anybody lingerie. And then, oh, his wife reminds him, yeah, you picked up leotards for your daughter's dance recital. Amazing moments. And the country saw it. Now the country's seeing it again. There's nobody with better perspective. Now, Ali also happens to be one of my dearest friends. Love him. And he's one of the best writers. I've read every book he's ever written. And he's got a brand new novel out, by the way. He's a number one New York Times bestselling author. De- decorated war veteran. And it's called The Rifleman. And uh, he'll tell us about that as well today. Uh, How are you, sir? I am glad to be with you again, my friend. Thank you. Now, you've you've lived this. You've seen this. 
<laughs> I, was, I was listening to you on the introduction and, and of course, the kinds of things that are happening. And it, it, look, you and I are both a little, a little bit older than the average listener that you've got today. So very few of them were really witting of what transpired in almost every single case of a special prosecutor and a Congress that believes that they can essentially impeach and remove a president. And back in the 1980s, uh, right after Admiral Poindexter and I were reassigned back to the Pentagon, it was December, if I recall correctly, 19th, 1986. I mean, I, I could see your listeners going, wait a minute, that was a thousand years ago. Lawrence Walsh was appointed as an independent counsel to investigate the Iran-Contra affair. Walsh immediately made it known that he considered his job was to produce evidence leading to impeaching President Ronald Reagan. In the summer of 1987, seven months later, a special Iran-Contra bipartisan special committee was comprised of members of both parties, both houses of Congress, and they held open and closed hearings. Sound familiar? Yep. Um, it, I mean, this is unreal. Many politicians and pundits concluded that these dual investigations would lead to President Reagan's impeachment and his removal from office because the House was controlled by Democrats throughout the entire Reagan-Bush administrations, all the way back to 1977 before Ronald Reagan was even elected. Mm -hmm. And despite the best efforts of all the House Democrats and the independent counsel, Walsh, so-called, I call him a special prosecutor, neither President Reagan nor President Bush were impeached. Here's why. Because the Democrats of the House were fearful of repeating what happened in the televised hearings in the summer of 1987 when a U.S. Navy admiral and a Marine lieutenant colonel devastated them with the facts, the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And their whole argument that President Reagan had committed impeachable offenses evaporated. Afterwards, and you and I remember this man, Henry Hyde, a lion of the House, even though he's in the minority for all those years, told me the Democrat members of the House Judiciary Committee, guess who's meeting today? Yesterday, they had their first o open discussion of this thing. And today, they're getting ready for the first open hearings of the Judiciary Committee. Henry Hyde said the Democrats leading the House Judiciary Committee were horrified at the prospect of Oliver North and Admiral Poindexter testifying again on national television. Because without any hubris in it, we handed them their butts. Mm -hmm. Okay. In the spring of 1988, Walsh said he could, he could take care of the problem. He was so disconcerted at the prospect of Reagan getting off the hook, he offered me, nobody's heard this before, not in my first book about this whole occasion, and, and you're getting to cover this story first. He offered me a deal. Walsh asked me to come to his office where he showed me, and you mentioned his name, Brendan Sullivan, a lengthy indictment that he'd prepared against me, 23 counts. And then he said, this won't happen if you'll sign this under oath. And he handed me the draft of a statement in which I would accuse President Reagan of lying in his deposition to the special prosecutor. I asked him if I could think about it overnight. And he said, yes, certainly. As long as you promise, make no copies and not divulge it to anybody that this is a deal. And of course, I did exactly what I said. I took it back and agreed I'd return the following morning with an answer. We went back to the skiff, and I, without getting into things like divulging what my, my lawyer had told me, 
I ran the document through a brand new shredder that turns pieces of paper into tiny little pieces of confetti, put the confetti into a plastic bag, and the next day returned to Walsh's office and handed him the plastic bag and dumped it out on the table. Wow. The following day, he indicted me. He indicted me with all 23 counts. Nearly four years later, the D.C. Court of Appeals ruled I had been improperly tried. They went all the way to the Supreme Court. They refused to reverse the Court of Appeals, and the three counts that were remaining against me after the trial were dismissed by the trial judge, and not one person was jailed for criminal acts con- con- connected in any way to Iran-Contra. Now, think about what that means. They spent over $45 million, had 40-some-odd lawyers, not counting the ones in the, in the House committee, by the way, mm-hmm. the, the Joint House-Senate committee. And so Walsh still made one last try to get then-President George W. Bush. Just four days before the 1992 election, Walsh indicted former Defense Secretary Casper Weinberger, an event that many believed helped seriously damage the president's, President Bush's hopes for re-election. Here's the bottom line. President Trump now faces the same kind of attacks, an independent counsel, meaning Mueller, a hostile media, a rabidly crazed Congress, and I gave him my prediction. My prediction is this, the House will impeach him. Senate, the Senate will not convict him. He will not be removed from office. He will then get reelected, and the Republicans will recover and recapture the House of Representatives. I believe that that's going to happen. The model for that kind of tenacity and courage is in that book, The Rifleman. It's the kind of thing that's very appropriate because The Rifleman includes the same kind of thing. An inept and confused Congress, efforts to remove the commander-in-chief. I mean, think about this. Washington's appointed as commander-in-chief of the Continental Army, which didn't exist until the 14th of June, 1775. And there's already efforts underway in the Congress of the brand new Congress, the Second Continental Congress, as it's called, to remove him from office. And that kind of thing is going to continue right today because there is so much corruption. You use the exact right word. There is so much corruption in Washington, D.C., now our nation's capital. It wasn't then. Philadelphia was. But the, the capital almost breeds corruption around it. The, the, the odor of corruption is rampant in this Congress and in Washington, D.C. The president calls it a swamp. A swamp. I would have called it a sewer. I, I am stunned at everything that I'm listening to here. Um, I hope people are listening closely as I am to everything that you're saying. Um, look, I, 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 I could talk to you all day about all of this, but let me move on. And first of all, this novel is, I mean, it's a page turner. It's gripping. And it's just, you know, this is where your mind goes. But people got to remember when you were went to Iran, you did have a suicide pill. Uh, you do have a Purple Heart. You have served your country. So that's the man that I know. And you take that experience and then you put it in a novel form. And I got to tell you, I think this is one of your best works. Well, you're kind to say so. I appreciate the fact that you said so before and you're saying so right now. By the way, tonight, right after you finish your TV show, so mm-hmm. 10 p.m. Eastern times, we're doing a live book signing. I wouldn't dare start it before your show is over tonight. So a live book signing, people can, if they want, they I'm can I'm going to remind people to go. In. Yeah, that's great. Yeah. So, Riflemanbook.com. That's a, it's very so, simple. So in other words, a live book signing is they can, they can cue riflemanbook.com. And they go right. there, they'll see you, and they'll talk to you, and you'll sign books, yes. you'll personalize them, whatever that they want. And because you're talking about it, 
Well, it will sell a lot of books. I appreciate, and, and they'll get them in time for Christmas. That's the big thing. Uh, you know what? That's amazing, actually. All right. Uh, Ollie North, uh, we love you. Riflemanbook.com tonight, 10 Eastern. I'll remind everybody after the sh- as we're ending the show tonight. Um, I really appreciate who you are. And I, it's sad what you went through, but the experience for those that don't remember, that didn't live it like I did and you did, you lived it a lot more than me. It's invaluable wisdom that you're imparting on uh, the people. And we, we appreciate all you do. Appreciate you. Appreciate you too, my friend, because you're the voice of reason in the midst of this craziness in Washington. Thank you. All right, my friend. Appreciate you. Um, Rightfulmanbook.com. Merry Christmas, uh, Colonel. You're the best. Merry Christmas to you too, brother. Semper Fi. Semper Fidelis, Marine. Always faithful. All right, let's get to our phones. Uh, Let's go to Atlanta, my old hometown. John, how are you? Glad you called, sir. I can't believe what your governor's doing. Doesn't make sense to me. No, not a bit, Sean. And for people like me who worked uh, for him, uh, we're very disappointed and disgusted. you know, we get a pretty face and a big checkbook instead of he really could have a double or a triple play with um, putting Doug in the Senate seat. Short term, it's a no brainer. Long term, it's even better because he's a great stand up guy. He is very popular in his district, would have no trouble finding one of the people he has worked with to continue the platform and be just as popular as he is. And then if they want to wind up actually making their campaign money more efficient, Find a good candidate, kind of like Doug, with the same platform and a pulse and a little bit of, uh, you know, a little bit of uh, personality and run them in Tom Price's district. You've got a crescent all the way through from Gainesville through Roswell over into Loudermill, you know, of, of great guys who stand up and do what they're supposed to do. And I'm really disappointed in, in uh, our governor. I've worked with him and, uh, you know, I, I just could not believe that there's got to be some kind of magic formula going on that we're not aware of. And uh, I'm not sure it can make sense. My my devious side kind of goes, well, let's see, there's a big truck checkbook. Maybe that will help with certain people's uh, elections later on. But this was really dumb. And I, I just can't believe it because they have a golden opportunity to do the right thing long term and also, you know, Add more to the the congressional seats that are now available that we could do something good with. You know, the the Republican Party around here does things in, you know, you work with them and then they do something like this. And you kind of go over and bash my bald little head against the the wall and say, why am I doing this? Why, Why do I sit there and get disappointed each time because nobody uses any brains and doesn't have any sense? I do not get it. I'm going to tell you what it is to me. I, I, you know, all I hear from my friends in Atlanta and I live there is th- that this is done because one person cares about, well, we need a self funder uh, for that election year because uh, then I, I can get more money. There should only be one criteria. And by the way, the criteria is not Donald J. Trump. The criteria is serving the people of Georgia. The people, you know, not making a million well promises. No, no, no. This person will be a conservative in spite of all the money they have donated to liberal rhino Republicans, John McCain and everybody else. Now, you don't have to worry about that with Doug Collins. So uh, it's frustrating. And to me, it's what the swamp, it's what politicians are. And that's what we dislike about them. We'll continue. Uh, Mr. Jordan, on uh, call readout. Certainly after the first call, there were probably a half a dozen or more people that I uh, read out. Those are people with the the proper clearance and the the need to know. In this case, 
because of the sensitivity of the call and Mr. Eisenberg told me not to speak to anybody else, I only read out, outside of the NSC, two individuals. Two individuals. Das Kent and one other indi- uh, person. And you're not willing to tell us who that other individual is? Mr. I, Chairman, I, point I, of Mr. order. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, point of order. The gentleman will suspend counsel. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I would ask you to enforce the, uh, the rule with regard to the disclosure, with regard to the uh, intelligence officer. Um, thank you, counsel. You know, as I indicated before, this committee will not be used to out the whistleblower. Um, that same uh, Mr. Chairman, can, necessity can you, can you of protecting the first stop the time so I don't lose the will time? persist. Uh, you are recognized again, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Chairman, I, I don't see how this is outing the whistleblower. The, the witness has testified in his deposition that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is. You have said, even though no one believes you, you have said you don't know who the whistleblower is. So how is this outing the whistleblower to, to, to find out who this individual is? Jordan, uh, this is your time for questioning. You can use it any way you like, but what? your question should be addressed to the and witness. I'd like to... And your question should not be addressed to trying to out the whistleblower. Well, okay, okay. Uh, Mr. Jordan, on uh, call readout, certainly after the first call, there were probably a half a dozen or more people that I re- uh, re- read out. Those are people with the, the proper clearance and the, the need to know. In this case, because of the sensitivity of the call and Mr. Eisenberg told me not to speak to anybody else, I only read out, outside of the NSC, two individuals. Two individuals. Das Kent and one other indi- uh, person. And you're not willing to tell us who that other individual is? Mr. I, Chairman, I, point I, of Mr. order. Mr. Chairman. Mr. Chairman, point of order. The gentleman suspend counsel. Uh, Mr. Chairman, uh, I would ask you to enforce the, uh, the rule with regard to the disclosure, with regard to the uh, intelligence officer. Um, thank you, counsel. You know, as I indicated before, this committee will not be used to out the whistleblower. Um, that same uh, Mr. Chairman, can, necessity can you, can you of protecting the whistleblower. First, stop the time, so I don't lose the will time. Will persist. Uh, you are recognized again, Mr. Jordan. Mr. Chairman, I don't see how this is outing the whistleblower. The, the witness has testified in his deposition that he doesn't know who the whistleblower is. You have said, even though no one believes you, you have said you don't know who the whistleblower is. So how is this outing the whistleblower to, to, to find out who this individual is? Mr. Jordan, uh, this is your time for questioning. You can use it any way you like, but what? your question should be addressed to the and witness. I'd like to... And your question should not be addressed to trying to out the whistleblower. Well, okay, okay. I learned nothing from Adam well, Schiff. I think he's a maniac. What would you want to learn if he testified? I think Adam Schiff is a deranged human being. I think he grew up with a complex for lots of reasons that are obvious. I think he's a very sick man. And he lies. Uh, Adam Schiff made up my conversation with the president of Ukraine. And one of the reasons people keep talking about it is that's what they saw. We have a perfectly beautiful three or four page transcription. And then in the other case, a two page transcription of the conversation. But a lot of people didn't read that. How many people called you? A friend of mine called up, a top person in New York called up. Great friend of mine, very successful. Gee, I didn't like what was said. I said, oh, where did you see it? Did you read it? No, I didn't read it. I heard Adam Schiff give it. I said, well, that's not what was said. And I sent him a copy of what was said. He said, this is like, this is great. This isn't what he said. This guy is sick. He made up the conversation. He lied. If he didn't do that in the halls of Congress, he'd be thrown in a jail. But he did it in the halls of Congress, and he's given immunity. This is a sick person. He's a liar. And by the way, Nancy Pelosi knew he was lying, and she went on a show, Stephanopoulos, and she said he told the truth. So she was lying, too. These people are deranged. Is there much more, by the way, than what you just heard that we can say about the compromised, corrupt 
uh, coward, congenital liar, Adam Schiff. And I mean, this garbage that they put out here today. Unbelievable. Everything they're guilty of. Every single solitary thing they are guilty of. Anyway, 800-941-SHAWN, if you want to be a part of the program, mentioned this earlier in the program today. Uh, Kerry Pickett, who works for the Washington Examiner, isn't it interesting? Apparently, we now learn today that the congenital liar, corrupt, compromised Adam Schiff, the headline is hired a former colleague of the whistleblower, well, alleged whistleblower, identified whistleblower by pretty much everybody uh, in the media the day after the Trump Ukraine call. Oh, no, we shouldn't put this guy under oath to find out what collusion went on here. Anyway, uh, here with this exclusive story from the Washington Examiner is our friend Carrie Pickett is with us. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Sean. All right. Tell us what you you got. Well, it's interesting here because we always knew that uh, this guy's name is Sean Misko. He was a former colleague and buddy of the alleged whistleblower, in this case, the whistleblower. Uh, And he ended up going over to Adam Schiff's intelligence committee. And the thing here was that we always knew that he started to work over at the intelligence committee in August, but we didn't really know the exact day of hire. And we ended up finding out finally through these these uh, quarterly reports that come out on congressional staffers, like their like their salaries, basically, that the actual hiring date was July 26th. And what and why is that date significant? Well, it's because it was one day after the July 25th call that Donald Trump had with Ukrainian President Vladimir Zelensky. So that kind of got us thinking over at the Washington Examiner. Hmm. That's kind of interesting. You know, did uh, did uh, Sean Misko, this uh, staffer, this now staffer of Schiff's, was he having conversations with the whistleblower, his uh, his uh, buddy, his uh, former colleague? Uh, was he was he talking with him about this uh, call that that happened the uh, previous day? What was going on here? But still, we only knew previously last month that he had started up. Uh, perhaps over at the office, over at Schiff's office around August. And that was about, you know, if you, if you recall, the actual filing of the whistleblower report was on August 12th. So what was going on within those uh, 12 days in uh, in August? Was there some, some sort of coordination going on? Uh, because we Because we do know that Schiff's staff apparently met with the whistleblower uh, to uh, talk with him about saying, hey, maybe you should go talk to the Intelligence uh, Committee uh, IG, in this, in this case, IG Atkinson. Well, do we know if they colluded? Did they give advice about the lawyers? Did they do anything like that? Well, that's the interesting thing here, was that if you we ended up finding out that the whistleblower first filed the report on August 12th then we ended up finding out that the report did not include a, any indication that the whistleblower uh ended up saying well i first met with anybody in congress and there was a box in the right. in the complaint form asking hey uh did you meet with anybody in congress and the whistleblower ended up uh, not saying yes i did and so when when a report came out saying that 
but he didn't indicate that. He ended up going back a few days later saying, hey, hey, I, I want to clarify this. The reason why I didn't mention that I met with the shift staff was because I didn't think it was really important. I didn't think there was any substance to the discussion. Seriously? Now, listen, uh, uh, seriously, I mean, this is so corrupt. It's just like what what Pat Cipollone said. And Pat Cipollone is absolutely right in saying that, yeah, this whole thing is corrupt and none of this is, you know, th- this is new precedent. And it's a corrupt, staged impeachment coup attempt. That's the only way to describe it. And um, it's unbelievable. And by the way, uh, I can't believe this is happening in this country, especially when you have a real quid pro quo. So true. I mean, like you just said, any any time they end up accusing very often their opponents of something, in this case, President Trump of something, you end up finding out that they're doing exactly just that. But I am seeing, of course, at least on the uh, political side of it, at least on the campaign side of it, that Democrats are having a tough time convincing a lot of their own constituents of uh, of a uh, of 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 their idea that President Trump did something wrong because the uh, swing states just aren't really paying attention to impeachment. And even coming out with the articles of impeachment that we're seeing today, people just aren't really paying attention, Sean. Well, they're not paying attention, but, you know, it's pretty amazing that we're even at this point. And by the way, where's Joe Biden? Well, you know, how do, how do you have a guy on tape? Uh, you're not getting the money. You're not getting the money. Unless you fire the guy that I know is investigating my son. I mean, that is breathtaking hypocrisy to me. Indeed. And that is a big problem that we are seeing right now when it comes to Burisma, because if the Democrats plan on taking this all the way in terms of uh, what they would like to do over over in the House, uh, then the, uh, the, uh, the Republicans over in the Senate are saying, well, Let's bring Hunter Biden in. Let's uh, let's uh, bring a uh, Joe Biden in, and let's talk about what happened with a uh, Burisma. Let's talk about what uh, Hunter Biden uh, was uh, doing over there on the board. Why was this uh, money exchange happening? So uh, I have a feeling that it may not even get that far, Sean. Well, we're gonna let, you know. Let's see. I think they've actually jumped the shark on all of this. I think there's no getting back in the airplane. I think they they left the plane. It's ten thousand feet above them. They they've got no choice. And even the smart Democrats that know this is political suicide, well, they're going to do it anyway. You know, <laughs> I have a feeling that a number of Democrats are already talking to Nancy Pelosi right now and asking her. Uh, I think that maybe we should start looking towards censure, maybe, but voting on impeachment, I think that's going to hurt us a little bit more than anything else. Unbelievable. All right. Good work. Kerry Pickett will continue to follow that story. 800-941-SEAN. Toll-free telephone number. You want to be a part of the program. All right. Let's get to our busy phones. Joe in Pennsylvania. Joe, hi. How are you? Glad you called, sir. Yes, sir. I have a different take on Joe Biden and all of his problems. As a Trump supporter, I think that we have to look at Joe Biden as two distinct entities. First, as a vice president for eight years, with all the corruption that went with him and his son all over the world. And second, as candidate for the presidency. Now, when you look at the call request by President Trump, that changes the meaning of of the whole thing. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. This whole thing stinks to high heaven. That's it. And the hypocrisy is breathtaking at a level I've never seen in my life. And the mob is corrupt in the media. 
And this is just them hating Trump, hating Trump, hating Trump at a level that is inexplicable and unexplainable, except that they just hate Trump. And you know what? They've been fighting to undo the results of the last election. They never got what they wanted and expected from Mueller and three other investigations into Russia. So now they're making it up and now they're trying to race through it as quickly as possible. You know what? We get the final word, and that word comes in 336 days when you get the power back and you get to go vote. And that's when it matters. That, 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 that is it. End of sentence, bottom line stuff. Anyway, good call, Joe. Brian in Louisiana. What's up, Brian? How are you? Doing good, Doing. I'm good. What's happening, my friend? Look, I got a wild theory as to why Joe Biden has been acting so crazy lately, like crazier than usual. I think he wants to have a backup plan of pleading insanity. I think he knows that he's in hot water with regards to his pay-for-play Ukraine business dealings involving him and his son, Hunter, on the board of the Ukrainian energy company while he was vice president. So he figures, I want to start talking about little boys rubbing on my blonde leg hair while I'm at the pool. Well, remember that. that, Remember, anyway, you're cracking all of us up here. But that happened in 2017. Uh, So you're cracked. But that's pretty funny because it's so bizarre. And if that doesn't disqualify anybody from ever being the president, I don't know what would. Exactly. And, and, you know, if that doesn't do it, I'm going to start biting on my wife's fingers while we're on stage at the campaign rally. So so if Attorney General Barr comes knocking on his door, he might just plead insanity. And and look, all joking aside, Sean, I want to thank you very much for coming down to South Louisiana in 2016 after that flood. We appreciate that so much. You know something, there's one thing, we got to remember this, and we always forget, and we're getting near the holidays, so maybe it's the appropriate time to talk about it, but, you know, and the president says this as he closes out every speech, we are one, you know, glorious nation under God. We are one American family. We are one people. And I know we might have political differences, but when one of us, we, the people, are suffering, we all suffer. I don't want anybody, you know, it's devastating when people lose their homes, floods, Katrina, you know, hurricanes, tornadoes. It's just it's all horrible. The one thing in the midst of charity, though, in the midst of of tragedy is the charity of the American people, the generosity of we the people. We see our fellow Americans in trouble. What do we do? We donate. We all all do. Everybody does. Or, Or some people go help and some people go, you know, fix things and some people offer services. It's amazing. 9-11, I'll never forget, you know, every Campbell's soup set up, free soup for everybody for weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks and weeks. Yeah, I wish we'd get back to that day one day. Uh, Anyway, appreciate it, Brian. God bless you. Merry Christmas. Quick break. We'll come back. We'll get to uh, more phone calls straight ahead as we continue the Sean Hannity Show. All right, 25 to the top of the hour, 800-941-SEAN. You want to be a part of the program? Uh, I can't stop it. I can't help it. I I just got to, I'm going to play it twice in a row. And then maybe you will go right to the calls out of it. Crazy, sleepy, creepy, crazy Uncle Joe 30330. Because this is scary. This is like a this is a hodgepodge of random thoughts, which tell me he's nuts. I don't, I don't know, know what's what going on. you're talking about. I mean, I often talk about, yeah, you often my talk about sunshiny it. hair in the summer on my legs. Uh, yeah. You know, and rats. And I know what rats are. And I love when small children. Going into roaches and rats while doing a pool opening. I mean, 
You know, this is just everyday fare. Sometimes you need to talk about your hairy legs in the sunshine. I, I don't see anything wrong with it at all. You're scaring me. As much as Joe 30330. Look into my eye. Look into my left eye. You remember that? Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I do. And by the way, you know, I sit on the stand and it get hot. I got a lot of I got hairy legs that turn that 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 turn uh, um, blonde in the sun. And the kids used to come up and reach in the pool and rub my leg down. So it was trained and then watch the hair come back up again and look at it. So I learned about roaches. I learned about kids jumping on my lap. And I've loved kids jumping on my lap. Crazy, creepy Uncle Joe. 30330. Now, everyone asks, well, why do you play Joe 30330? Because the, the, let's play that now. As they say in my business, I'm going to I'm going to give you the whole load today. You got the first sort of mainstream African-American yeah. who is articulate and bright and, and, and clean and nice looking guy. I mean, it's, that's a story. You're telling me we got to go spend money to keep from going bankrupt? Yes, I'm you don't know my state. My state was a slave state. My state is a border state. My state is the eighth largest black population in the country. My state is anything from a northeast liberal state. You cannot go to a 7-Eleven or a Dunkin' Donuts unless you have a slight Indian accent. It's a my, I'm not joking. His mom uh, lived in uh, in Long Island for 10 years or so. Uh, God rest her soul. And uh, um, although she's wait, your mom's still your mom's still alive. Is your dad passed? God bless her. Hillary Clinton is as qualified or more qualified than I am to be vice president of the United States of America. Let's get that straight. And quite frankly, um, it might have been a better pick than me. So let me say it again. Thank you, uh, Terry. And thank you, uh, Dr. Pepper. And thank you, Chancellor, or Dr. Paper. Romney wants to let the, he said in the first hundred days, he's going to let the big banks once again write their own rules. Unchain Wall Street. They're going to put you all back in chains. Well, I say they're going to start to see unemployment grow uh, this spring. Uh, it's going to take uh, employment grow. I'm sorry. Number one job facing the middle class. And it happens to be, as Barack says, a three letter word. Jobs. J-O-B-S. Jobs. See, I went to the big guys for the money. I was ready to prostitute myself in the, man the manner in which I talk about it. Chuck Graham, state senator's here. Chuck. Stand up, Chuck. Let him see you. Oh, God love you. What am I talking about? I tell you what, you're making everybody else stand up, though, pal. Now is the time to heed the timeless advice from Teddy Roosevelt. Speak softly and carry a big stick. End of quote. I promise you. The president has a big stick. Union workers, the UAW took incredible cuts in their future and their, and their pensions and the left to get GM working. Now, I'm like the token black or the token woman. I was the token young person. And guess what? Mostly directed at, quote, people of color. You see it. We got Jim Crow sneaking back in. No, I mean it. If you agree with me, go to Joe 30330 and help me in this fight. Thank you very much. We choose science over fiction. We choose truth over facts. All right, because it means nothing. That's the whole point of it all. When he says Joe 30330, it you know what, means Sean? nothing. We're going to have a contest. 
So we have these shirts up in the Hannity.com store, the Nine Line Apparel store. Okay, yeah. And one of them is the quid pro quo Joe. Oh, I, that's what, and it has an American flag on the. It was sl- your idea. It was my idea. It was your idea. Yep. Give credit where credit's due. Give credit where credit's due. I'm just saying. I'm saying. You know, it doesn't matter how hard you I get. I knew hit. you were going to say that. I was waiting. I uh, knew you were going to go there. Nothing is going to hit as hard as lo- I think if itself. Secretly, you want to be from Philly. No, I'm going to tell you. No, it's do. not that. I'm, no, it is. Rocky. You can say it. It's okay. I can't explain why I'm, uh, I watch Rocky, I watch Cinderella Man. And First I, of all, Cinderella Man is my movie and I own it in every format. Okay, you're a weirdo because, you know, you're not, um, you like Braveheart and Gladiator. I like Braveheart, I love Gladiator. I pretty you much know, like you know, all Russell Crowe movies. I think, listen, this is going to be like, you know, they always say, and I can't, she probably can't even say it. There's like movies that girls like and movies that guys like. Listen, I love a good rom-com. I also know plenty of men who are right, watching the, Hallmark. I'm not interested in rom-com or Hallmark. I think you are watching Hallmark. No, I and don't. Maybe you should say it No, but loud. like, it'll like, make but you but better. if you ask other people, you know, women will usually say they love the notebook. I do love the notebook. Okay. It's or an they, incredible, or incredible they love, movie. What's the one with Meryl Streep and Clint Eastwood? I can't stand that movie. Bridges, Bridges of Madison, of Madison County. Bridges of Madison County. But yet oh. you know the name so well. Okay, because people what are, you hiding, are, t- are touched by this. Are you touched I'll, by no, this, I'll tell you what. Uh, you and your hand no, and legs? A Wonderful Life. T- in the a Wonderful Life is an amazing movie. Braveheart. Gladiator, Passion of the Christ. They all have their place, but sometimes it's but okay I not identi- to see people Listen, getting slayed. I identify with Rocky. I just do. And, you Let know, me tell the- you something you already know. The world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. I had Unless you're Joe Biden. Very mean and nasty place. Yep. And I don't care Nothing how no- tough you are. It will beat you to your knees and keep right. you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is going to hit as hard as life. Ain't a matter of how, hard you hit. how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit. Keep moving keep forward. Moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you got to be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you want to be because of him or her or anybody. Cowards do that and that ain't you. You're better than that. That's all true. You know, and that stuff like I tell my kids. And by the way, I've sent that clip to them a million times. I've sent the clip of Russell Crowe. I think the best role he's ever had. And when Marcus Aurelius says to Maximus, Maximus is the general warrior for Marcus Aurelius, the great. Uh, what, Maximus, you see that map? That is 25 years of war. 25, only four years of peace. What will people say upon my death? A philosopher? Great leader? Tyrant? Upon my death, I will appoint that you. That was really smooth. <laughs> it wasn't very smooth. <laughs> I will appoint you the leader of Rome to return it to once it once was. Once there was a, there was a dream of Rome. It's a republic. You could only whisper it. Let's whisper now, you and I. Maximus, tell me about your home. Very weird segue. And then when he says to him, not at all. Will you not accept this great honor? With all my heart, no. That's what he says. Uh, Certainly there are senators, there are people. You don't know, you haven't been to Rome. It's been corrupted. What about Commodus, your son? Commodus is not a moral man. You have known this since your youth. You are the son that I should have had. 
Know think what I, about but the now, Cinderella think about Man this. scene. What's your favorite Cinderella Man scene? I have mine, but I'll let you go first. All right, but first I, I will tell you. You can't stay focused. No, I am focused. But those movies, those moments, I send to my kids the Rocky stuff. This, Maximus, Marcus Aurelius. It means nothing to them. Oh, God, there's the old man sending me that stupid clip again. Um, That's Cinderella, not true. They don't say that. Cinderella Man, there are a lot of great moments in there. One is I do like the moment, the exchange, when his son stole. The other thing I like is when he said, I never, I told him, I promised him I'd never take him away. Oh, my I, God. I love that scene makes me cry. Right. The scene where he brings. You get to bring pick First, one. when he your goes to get. Favorite. when you First, when he goes to get welfare it's my scene you can't have it and then it my turn like three minutes when ago. he goes back and gives and the money the back system all exactly. of it i and, believe we live in the greatest country that god ever right. made and they help a man when he's down on his luck and i'm here to repay that debt now i remember my the hardest part of that movie for me is when he had made the promise to his son that he'd never parcel out the kids and he doesn't have enough money for the heat and he doesn't have oh, enough money God. for lights. That scene. And all these rich guys that knew him made money off his boxing. He goes in and says, you know, I'd appreciate some help in this difficult time. And these jackasses with money that made money from him that know his situation's dire. They can't reach into their pocket and give the guy 20 bucks. Thing is, I can't afford to uh, can't afford to pay the heat. I've had to farm out my kids. You know, to keep cutting shifts down at the docks, and you just don't get picked every day. I went on public assistance. I signed on at the relief office. They gave me $19. I need another $18.38 so I can pay the bill and get the kids back. I need another $18.38 <laughs> so I can pay the bill pay the and bill. get the kids back. Exactly. And then, scene. then when he gets to the Paul, what's his name figure? Giamatti. Giamatti. He's so funny. And then we find out later in the movie that guy's broken. He's just putting on a show, too. And then they then he makes this remarkable comeback. You know, w what happened to your right hand? How did you get your, your left back? I did. Well, I, you know, I've been working out at the docks. Imagine what I could have done on a steak. Yeah. And yeah, he's eating the corned beef hash. And in comes the, the reporter. No fork, By no the way, spoon. the fake the fake news guy comes in, you know, Sporty oh, he, Lewis. Yep. And then trashing him doesn't think he can win. And one of the other scenes in that movie that was also phenomenal, you got to watch this, but you ever watch Cinderella, man, it's a classic. It's, yeah, I watch it's all these favorite. movies over when I get a little time vacation. But, you, you know, you, you've got these moments where this guy and his life, and it's a true story. You know, Rocky, what I love about Rocky is all of us live that way. All right, let me get to the phones. We're talking too much about this. Uh, Attila, Wisconsin, next on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Attila? What's going on? Great, Sean. How are you doing today on this great afternoon? Uh, I'm doing good. Yeah, what's going on? Hey, you've been a great inspiration uh, to this Marine, uh, Semper Fi, and uh, I was just given your book by an independent, and I thought that'd make you laugh. Your um, So, let freedom ring. But anyways... Well, thank I you. I appreciate that. You need to escape from New York and come to to, to Wisconsin, by the way. I Ride love Wisconsin. <laughs> we need you, Wisconsin. <laughs> but, yeah, you're a lion, and we need lions today, not lambs. And that brings me to to the point of, about the inspector general. He, he, he did a Lucy Charlie Brown pull the football already on us once when he said no bias. I'm very concerned about this IG report coming up based on – 
uh, scuttlebutt from what we hear, but we don't know is true. And I was going to ask you, do you think it matters? Can William Barr just go ahead and do what he thinks is right uh, since since uh, we can't really rely on the inspector general? It was my gut feeling. We need someone like Sheriff David Clark in that role. You know, I will tell you, I I just think now it's all beginning to make sense, as I said earlier. And I think at the end of the day, this is going to be good because, you know, look, an inspector general, I, I, I'm told it's going to be devastating the information. Whatever disagreements might he might have with the origins of the Russia witch hunt. Well, that's separate and that's apart. Um, okay. And the next thing is, you know, because that's what Durham's territory is. The next thing I'd say is that, well, an inspector general doesn't have the right to convene a grand jury, press charges, move forward. Now, he's already referred a lot of things for further investigation, including McCabe and Comey being liars and nothing happened. So honestly, the action is going to be with Durham, but we're still going to get a pretty clear picture of premeditated fraud on a FISA court for the purpose of denying one American the, their constitutional civil liberties and then for the other added purpose uh, of a backdoor into all things world Trump. Will we ever know what they fully did? No, we're not going to know what they ever fully did, but we're going to, I believe, with the Durham investigation, now criminal, the people will be arrested and charged, rightly so. That's what I'm hoping. And Anyway... All right, Hannity tonight, 9 Eastern, Fox News Channel. Devin Nunes, Mark Meadows, John Solomon, uh, Brad Wentrup is with us. Matt Gates, Mike Huckabee, Reince Priebus, Lara Trump, Geraldo, and Dan Bongino. 9 Eastern, Hannity, Fox News, the news you won't get from the mob. We'll see you for part two of the shift show, tomorrow's talk show. It's going to be Morton Downey and Jerry Springer, led by Jerry Nadler. We'll have all the details. Have a great uh, night. We'll see you tonight at 9 back here tomorrow.